Hello everybody and thank you for once again joining us at the Leeds Book Club podcast. Um, this is the February edition of what I have read this month and apologies for being late but I've lived in this country long enough to know that if I say it snowed <laughs> you'll understand why we couldn't meet until now. I am once again joined by the delightful Jess or at Book Elf Leeds. Hello. Um, and we are here to talk to you about what we have been reading um, in February, mm. which was a shorter month. So I imagine you've only got 10 or 12 books. January seemed to last about seven years, but February has whizzed past this year. I have been so grateful to February, even with the rotten w- rain, the mm. wind and the snow, because it was no longer the three to nine years. Five Mondays in January this year. The longest But now January. it's March and it's March the 3rd and the apocalypse has come. It's March the 2nd. <laughs> and the apocalypse has come. And yeah, snowmageddon. I was on a train yesterday from Liverpool to Leeds and the, the conductor said, uh, welcome to the slightly delayed, <laughs> slightly delayed Trans-Siberian Express. <laughs> and that little tiny bit of humour just made me get through the nightmare journey over the Pennines. <laughs> Um, I've I've most I've gone out into the snow um, every day. I've made a point of it, and I've shook my fist at it and mm. said, "Damn you, damn, damn you, snow!" But I have long-standing issues with the white stuff. So, what have you been reading this week? Um, well, this month I've had a very specific kind of um, reading mandate. I read *The Master and Margarita* by Mikhail Bulgakov. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. <laughs> Pretty certain you're not. Saying I'm that really right. certain I'm not saying that right. Um, which was fantastic. Uh, I read that for one of our book clubs and it was just an utterly surreal delight. Um, and I followed that by immediately reading the three books of his dark materials. Mm. Because in last month's podcast, I got homework and I'm a diligent student. <laughs> and when told that I was reading the prequel to his dark materials, I obviously had to reimmerse myself in the world. And finally, I've read the book of dust. Mm-hmm. Um, Good stuff. We'll both talk about that. Yeah. yeah. What about yourself? Um, I have read some excellent books this month. I've read some dreadful books as well, but I'm not going to talk about them because they were dreadful. Um, but I have read the ones I want to talk about. Can I talk about three, is it? Or two? We talk about three, but you can list out whatever you've read. Okay, you well, this month I have mostly been reading um, The Snow Rose by Lulu Taylor, uh, Dream Lake by Lisa Claypass, which I am going to mention briefly, mm-hmm. um, Seasons of My Life, The Story of a Solitary Dales Woman by Hannah Hawkswell, which might be nice to talk about, actually, given the weather. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll talk about that one. Jamaica Inn by Daphne de Maurier, which I did want to talk about. Um, Outrage by Indrithasen Arnolder, again, that is I'm, Icelandic. I think you nailed that. I think that's exactly I how it's said. I did a module of Icelandic at university, so I can say Erkheiti Jess, but I can't really say anything else, and I'm probably saying that wrong. So, um, yeah. Uh, but I'm not We're such talk- ambassadors to the world. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that one because I'm going to be reading the Joe Nesbo book yeah. this month, so I figured that I'll, I'll save my Scandinoir... Yep. bit for next month and I read The City in the City yay! yay which was your recommendation last week and I really enjoyed it I'm really glad that we talked about it before I read it though because I would not have got that at all I would have been like two chapters in going this is weird, weird. what is going on <laughs> but because I had that kind of explained to me because a blurb gives nothing away no it's, nothing. it's an, there are a few books like that where you think I know a little bit about this and it helps whereas if there's others if you don't others, know what like... we're talking about last month Neve read uh, City and City by China Mielvul yeah and um, 
we spoke at it at length, so if you want to listen to that, go back and listen it's to that one. Um, but yeah, it was good. I'm glad I read it. And I read it after reading a couple of books that I wasn't so sure about, so like, it was nice to read a book that I was like, I genuinely enjoyed that. The ending kind of lost me a little bit, so I think, unlike other people in your book, I would have probably given it an eight, because I, I felt a little bit lost towards the end. Yeah. But I just thought the concept was amazing. Um, I mean, when I, I was really... I, I found the whole thing really odd, but I was really interested in the murder mystery aspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think no, there were times well where done. that kept me going, and then there were times where he went moved to the other city, and I was like, oh, now I'm interested in this part, you know. But yeah, those are the books I've I've, I've read, and I'm going to talk about uh, Jamaica Inn and Seasons of My Life, and very briefly gloss over. Um, well, would you want to do the Lisa Claypass? Lisa Claypass. Yeah. Now? Yeah. Okay. So, so again, there's a history to this. Last this. month we were no, talking. No, no, no. So the one before that. Oh yeah, it was our Christmas search for the Christmas spirit. Yes. So that for that challenge, I had to read uh, Christmas theme books, and I read Friday uh, Christmas Eve in Friday Harbor by Lisa Claypass, and it was the beginning of a series. So last podcast, I talked about its first sequel. Rain Shadow Road, which is the first sequels so that's the second brother yeah this one was dream lake which is the third brother and what we had noticed is that between the first book which is about a little girl who's gone mute after her mother has killed being taken in by her uncles one of whom falls in love with a delightful toy shop owner mm. the second bit the second book you said um, introduced it, a bit of ranch yeah but, well it also induced a little bit of magic so it was like um she could bring glass things to life there was a little she could do and mm. he could do a little bit of magic as well so that was that element but it was also the fact that it got massively raunchy in the last third of the book <laughs> so I was reading this one the third in the series thinking this is going to be even raunchy two thirds we were, we were going man, for man was I disappointed oh. uh, never quite got there never lots and lots of passionate snogs but like all bubble no squeak yeah good way of putting it <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that's a t-shirt face, isn't it? <laughs> I actually oh, didn't wow. do that on purpose. Um, I just popped out. Beautiful. Um, but yeah, no. Um, but this one also was narrated in part by a ghost. So it's got definitely more magical. Um, and I say this because I accidentally Goodreads it. And there is a fourth. Excellent. But the fourth one appears to be from my quick glance at Goodreads, Fifty Shades of Grey meets Practical Magic. Oh god no, don't do that. So, don't do that. Like, I love practical magic. Yeah. So I I am gonna read it because I I do want to finish the series. I will say though, this is really good chiclet that isn't as well known as it should be. So like it is I feel like bit... it's a little bit disingenuous the way she starts off with the child and, a t- and ends up writing smut. No, but it wasn't smut. It was just this, this a lot is a, this is a, a, a dark but, road you but, start but there off. There is the the actual like the what what I didn't like about Dream Lake was that um, it was about the youngest brother in these three brothers and he was an alcoholic for part of the book and I just didn't like the portrayal of him and his journey to being sober mm. or m- sober most of the time or whatever mm. like but he's never not an alcoholic obviously but like i i found those things hard because yeah. i felt like the magical element of the book was kind of taking over something that could have been a really interesting plot point mm. and like because he was talking to a ghost the entire time it was, it just made it seem a little bit cheap 
Um, some when a device works, you don't notice it. That's yeah. why it works. And yeah. when a device doesn't work, you're going. Well, this is that's a really awkward city, way. It works. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a device that's used to be like add a magical element to the world. But, but it's, it's so consistent. Yeah. You know, chapter by chapter, it builds, but it it remains very. But the actual romance itself was lovely and sweet and like honest to god the first book and the second book the first book especially it's beautiful and i just think mm. that she's she she needs more recognition as an author because i never heard of it before yeah and i found her through a christmas book so i don't know there are genres within genres out there yeah very much so what what have you been reading what are you going to talk about first so the book club book that i read um obviously oh we're a little late to to shout this out but um spoilers sorry yeah. Everything will be spoiled. We ruin everything. Um, so The Master and Margarita is um, a book that was published, I want to say, in the 60s or the 70s. Mm. But it had been written from like the 40s onwards or something like that. Oh, I had okay. read about the author, but never read any of his works. Where are they from? Russia. Oh, okay. Um, and he was a doctor for 20 years. Then he wrote a novel which he destroyed... Then he started this and basically spent 25 years working on it. And wow. it was published like three weeks before he died or something wow, really. Commitment. Yeah, it was. I mean, I've got I've probably got that all completely wrong, but it was mostly gleaned through other book clubbers. So there's like third hand Wikipedia knowledge going on there. <laughs> um, the book itself, though, is completely weird. Um if I were better informed of Russian history, modern Russian history, I think it would have made more sense to me. But basically, it's a line of attack on Russian society using the device of the devil. So basically, okay. the devil spends a week in... Oh, Jesus. Moscow? St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg. One with the castle in it. Yeah... <laughs> the devil decides to spend a week in Russia in okay. a, a large Russian city Jesus you wouldn't think I'd only read this four weeks ago <laughs> I'm getting old and it's scary I don't know who you are or why I'm here anyway um, the devil basically spends a week in Russia and um, the Rolling Stones song Sympathy for the Devil Yeah. Um, pleased to meet you don't you know my name yeah. that one um, that was inspired by this book oh okay so in the very first chapter are two guys basically arguing from a literary um, magazine point of view about the existence of Jesus, whether he actually existed as a mm. historical character or not. So it's set in atheist Russia. Okay, um, in the 60s. In, in the 50s. sort of 40s, 40s onwards, onwards right. but it's a, a, an open sort of time frame. Um, they're having this very literary argument and a dapper gentleman sort of sits himself down and joins in and in the course of the conversation he very casually tells both of them how they're going to die he also pisses on this particular editor of a particular magazine mm. um and then there's this weird freakish accident and one of the guys ends up beheaded and the other guy realizes that's what the devil predicted goes completely loopers and ends up and rampaging a restaurant and sent to a, um, a mental institution the devil then moves into his apartment and basically organises to have a magic show on stage. Um, as he does. As, as you do. Um, so on the one hand, there's this guy quite biting literary social commentary. Mm. And on the other hand, there's this very supernatural story. And there's 
Russian science fiction is really new. It's it's I find it quite unique. Um, in that it was written at the same time as the science fiction that I grew up on. I was like yeah. my bread and butter. Um, but it's written from a totally different societal viewpoint. Um, so it's just a very it's a very dark, very socially webbed kind of sci-fi fantasy element. And I found this was exactly like that it was it was incredibly surreal but there were parts that felt quite familiar mm. um the characters are very slight and yet utterly convincing um halfway through the book the, there's a chapter called and here's where the, the hero uh, the hero arrives and basically in the mental home the first guy that had a breakdown a guy sneaks into his room and goes you met the devil didn't you yeah i'm an author i destroyed my novel a few years ago and i've been in here ever since and he the story now takes him he becomes the main character of the story right and so margarita is his lover and and she's she becomes a witch and flies naked through the streets of right okay there's this so it's how the devil has affected each of these men yeah it well it's it's sort of in, an insanity it's just a romp in parts it's utterly surreal um but it's so well done yeah. um uh, we uh, not everybody got not everybody enjoyed it as much as i did not everybody got all of the the themes and there was one person that was sort of enjoyed one half of the story but not the other half of yeah. the story um oh and on top of that it's set on two timelines so there's all the stuff happening in russia and then there's like a novel within a novel which is the oh, story yeah. of pontius pilot okay as you do so there's <laughs> Pontius Pilate meeting a criminal. And honestly, I think this is one of the best books I've ever read in my life. I'm absolutely incapable of <laughs> talking about it coherently it's because so it's such it. an incoherent yeah. mess of a book that works though. It okay. all ties in and, and, and it's quite empowering um, for, for women and for weirdos to an extent mm. um, while being like there are elements where he was clearly writing to shock mm. so the you know there's a, a character in it who wanders naked all the time with people like touching her breasts or behind her knee and and that kind of thing but what was really shocking i suppose is how that's still shocking yeah um the, a lot of some of the things they wrote you were kind of like oh that's awful and in fact at no point does the devil really seem all that demonic Except for there's this one, like, almost a throwaway passage, and it's really dark and cruel. And mm. it's the first time you properly get that, like, ugh. He's the devil. He's, he's the guy. devil. He's, he's not, you know, this is not a good guy. This is not a good time. Um, so, yeah, I would absolutely recommend that to people who like a certain element of non-linearity to their stories. Also one that's told on multiple timelines by multiple narrators, none of whom are... <laughs> in the slightest way reliable it sounds complicated it's a weird book and it's small i mean it was like 300 odd pay oh yeah. and that's the other thing i read a relatively recent adaptation and yeah it, uh, the translation of, i beg your pardon the, yeah the, translation. the translation of a book can make such a huge difference yeah and not you enjoy it and um, somebody else that i would have expected to have really enjoyed it got a much older one yeah. and they had a much clunkier time with it it's also a book that was never published intact in his lifetime because it was so subversive mm. and bits of it were like censored um mm. so it wasn't until many so years was later like, was he like an activist or something then or I could I couldn't I, to be honest I re, I I try and do this thing where I read the book and then look up people look afterwards. Look at the author because I'd be interested. To but I, I'll I'll have a follow up for next. No, sorry, yes. I feel really ill prepared now. But I was I was so invested in the novel, you kind of mm. forget 
the real world. But there, as I say, if I were more informed about Russian society and about Russian history, I think I'd have gotten a lot more out of it. Russian history is fascinating. It would be a good if you want a book on Russian history that is very good. I can recommend the Romanovs by Simon Seabag. Have you seen my hat though, Montefiore, who I'm in love with and flirt with on Twitter? Um, he's never going to listen to this. It's fine. Um, but it's an excellent, excellent book about Roman history. It's um, about Russian history. Russian history. It's, very, very, very bloody. Like a lot of people have died. <laughs> so many. There's like so an infograph thing that does the numbers um of the twentieth century and it goes through the number of deaths during, say for example, the Second World War. And at one point it shows you like all of the Allies, all of the Axis, mm. and then it starts showing you the number of Russians. Mm. And there's like two minutes of silence where the screen just populates with That's row. When you see it visually next to the other countries and stuff. Russia has had a very, very uh, interesting time of it. And a very, very sad and tragic history for most of it. Mm. Um, okay, so I am going to talk about... Do you want to talk about something that I've read and then we'll talk about Belsavage or you want to talk about Belsavage first? No, you talk about what you've read and then I'm going to use His Dark Materials as my second book. Excellent. Okay, so I have read... um, We'll talk about Seasons of My Life. So Hannah Hawkswell died um, last in February. Um, She was a woman who was uh, a link in her 90s. She she definitely died an old lady. Um, And she was... A Dales woman, and she lived on a farm in the middle of absolutely nowhere, um, in your in the what is now uh, Teesside, I think, or County Durham, um, and she had no electricity and no running water for most of her life, and when she was in her, she was an only child, and when she was in her thirties, both her parents died, I think, um, so she was on her own in the farm, in the middle of nowhere, and she just became this really like Zen woman. Um, who had nothing at all, absolutely like nothing, and she and then she was in a field one day, and a ITB Yorkshire TV producer happened to be walking past, and they got chatting, and he was like, "I want to put you on television," and they made a di- documentary about the village called Too Long a Winter. It's available on YouTube. I'd really, really recommend people watch it because it's absolutely banging documentary. The first half is about another family, and then Hannah's in the second half. And it's just half an hour of just watching this incredibly zen, just calm, grateful to be alive. Look at look at the amazing place I live. Look where I live. Look how beautiful this is. Like she's in her house, which is just full of stuff. Mm. Like everything that this family's ever owned for the last hundred years is in that house somewhere. And she just halfway through just pulls out a piano and be like, "Oh yeah, I can play the piano, beautifully. I haven't played this for like the last four five years. Yeah, I just found it under my house." And um, she, one of the things she says is, I never economise about a fire. I always like a good fire. That's one thing I won't economise on. It's like, bloody, she's just amazing. Like, it's, it's, a, it, it, if you want to feel, and if, you, if you're complaining about the snow and you live in it in a city, <laughs> like, bloody hell, this, it was bleak. Well, I had never heard of this lady amazing. until she passed away. And then I was coming back from Ilkley, I think. And is it called Last Word? That BBC Four do um, a roundup, I suppose. Yeah. That sounds a bit of a grim way of putting it, but they go through the obituaries yeah. of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they must have had fifteen minutes on this lady. Oh, she was amazing. And they played clips and they talked about how she she was taken to Paris and and all of these things. She became but she never a lost. Huge, no, nothing. She this documentary went out and overnight, people all over the world were sending her money, sending her presents, well wishes. Like she mm. she had a fa- she became overnight a celebrity. 
And she just never changed. She, apparently Ever. not. I mean, like she people got, were she got another cow. Her. They were like, "What are you going to do with the money? Oh, I'm going to buy another cow." Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, I remember that being one of the quotes that that um, um, somebody had asked her, "Would she not? Why didn't she kill the cow during a particularly tough winter or something like that?" And she was like, "Because the warm milk in the morning was the only hot food I got in a day," and I just thought, "That's within my parents' lifetime." Yeah. yeah. You know, it's not, we're not even talking about like, like, like sure, it's the last century, but this century is 18 years old. Give me mm, a break, you yeah. know, um, it's within living memory. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, but again, I found her spirit and her resilience and her endurance was, it was really infectious. She made me feel cheerful in yeah. that 15 minutes well, that I spent I would recommend the books that she, so she wrote books with the guy who produced the thing. So it's, it's not, it's probably not her writing as such well she probably spoke and yes he exactly because she, her voice yeah. was amazing and she just was a natural storyteller yeah um and it's the one i've read it was seasons of my life which is like written 20 years after the documentary looking back on the things that have happened to her and it's just lovely and i read it in one evening it was very very slim i bought it, i got it from, from work from the library there and it was just a nice way of spending a night on the sofa when it was cold outside. It was like, you sounded like an awesome person. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. you lived. Yeah, she she just sounds like she had such a good attitude to life and it really did inspire me to go, yeah, actually, we do live in a beautiful world. So yeah. it was good, it was good. Oh, that's really lovely. Isn't I want lovely? to check that out. I'm going to see if I can. I mean, I I, I really did feel that on, the, on listening to that little radio thing, I was like, she, it, yeah, it sounds like she enhanced woman. the world. Inspiring yeah. woman, good girls woman. Um, Should we talk about Rosa Barton? Well, I was just about to say my second book or books are his dark materials. Um, but would it make more sense for you to cover your non-Pullman book first, and then we can do the block? That makes sense. Yeah. All right. So, uh, the last book I read that isn't yeah. dark materials is to make it in. By Daphne de Maurier. Now, Daphne de Maurier has a beautiful name. Um, I have read Rebecca, I have read Frenchman's Creek, and I have read My Cousin Rachel. My Cousin Rachel. But for years, I'd only read Rebecca, like most people. And then Sean from Twitter, mm. who runs the Bristol Women's Literary yeah. Festival, um, she. Um, recommended Frenchman's Creek to me when I was very single and it was a good read <laughs> excellent okay I, I, I've read I didn't always get on with her I read, I read I think four books one of which you haven't mentioned but I haven't read that one uh, so Jamaica Inn which is the one I've just recently read mm. My Cousin Rachel I loved I, I know you've got issues with it but I, oh, I loved My Cousin Rachel I thought it was gothy and I I read Rebecca when I was a gothy teenager, mm, so mm. I got really into it. And yeah, I loved Rebecca. And I thought, this is going to be great, because it's described as a gothic masterpiece. I think I've just been spoiled, because Jamaica Inn was her book before Rebecca. And, like, I also read it completely wrong. Jamaica Inn is a book that you have to read during a storm, like it would be perfect for now. Yeah. Because it's set on a dark moor, mostly when a storm's happening in the outside. There's lots of wind. Like, it's like Lear. You've got to read mm. Lear in a storm. And the main character is basically Heathcliff, but evil. Like, evil Heathcliff. Okay, Jess. Heathcliff is already evil. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Super evil Heathcliff. Super evil Heathcliff. Super I'm on board again. <laughs> God, I hate that book so much. 
Jamaican. I did enjoy the character of the main woman. I, I, I enjoyed all the characters, but I just found it a bit too gothy. It's tropey. It's too, yeah, exactly. And like, but if I'd been in the mood for that, mm. like if it had been the wind rolling down round a cottage and I'd been like, got a fire, well, let, I want to scare myself a bit. Then, then yeah, but I was reading this on the train to work. Don't read yeah. Jamaica in on the train to work is my, is my take home from this. I mean, I think most people only ever read three Jane Austen books. Mm. Uh, Emma, Pride and Prejudice and Sense and Sensibility. Yeah. Um, Persuasion's the best one, though. You I, and, and I like Northganger Abbey and yeah. Mansfield Park just as much. But I've often thought, is there a right order? Or is it mm. going to be like Dan Brown? Whichever yeah. one you read first will always if be I, your favourite. If I'd read this as a kid, I would have loved it. Yeah. Proper, like, kidnapped style well, adventure book. I did read this oh, when I was yes. a gothic teenager. Um, I thought I was a very gothy sort of teenager. But you know when somebody is cherished and adored by their family and given as many opportunities as possible and encouraged and supported at school and I I really had so little to rebel against it was like it was just a thing of sadness but yeah I read this and um, I read Jane Eyre and mm. um, Tenant of Wildfell Hall uh, Silas Marner I read all of yeah. these in like a, a sort of a six month spurt did you read Thomas Hardy? I read Thomas Hardy. Yeah. yeah. Um, I cannot tell you how disappointing it was to fly into Leeds and realise that Yorkshire was civilised. I, I don't know why I thought that like there would be this bubble around it, whereas the rest of England would be like a normal country. But then as soon as you actually broke into the borders of Yorkshire, it would become fog. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there would be men with huge dogs appearing around every corner. And yeah, when I found out that Leeds was like a proper beautiful city with a rich, rich history and culture of its own, I was like, huh, feel a little bit let down. <laughs> but I decided to go with it. <laughs> But I loved it. I mean, I loved it I can then. imagine that I would love it when I was a teenager because I was but, reading exactly the same books as you were, but apart from this But one, I prefer Rebecca mm, and I loathe my cousin Rachel. I am rereading Rebecca at the moment mm. because after reading this, I was like, I'm blatantly going to reread Rebecca. Yeah. Um, that could go one of two ways. It's going, you know? it's going a certain way. I really hate Max de Winter. He is not a pleasant person. Not a, like it's, he is awfully, he is emotionally manipulative. He is spiteful to her. Like, and she just, it's its like watching somebody crumble, but it's so well written. Mm. It's just, this is what I didn't understand. Jamaica and she wrote two years before. What did she read? What happened? Just to and like... Rebecca is incredible. But just to sidetrack for a moment, you know those books you casually reread yeah. and you get a whole different perspective yeah, on it. them? Last summer, I think it was... Um, I was visiting my family and you know when you want to read for like an afternoon evening but you yeah. don't necessarily care what it is I pulled down the tenant of Wildfell Hall Good my god yeah. like what that woman survives mm. she's always been like a, a bit of a literary heroine of, of mine but um the selfishness of the of the main character, and I, and he's the good guy. It's awful. You know, yeah. I mean, her husband is just. There's parts of me thinking he's, he's it's almost a, a caricature, almost. and then there's another part of me going, no, I absolutely believe there are men of both. Uh, uh, there are so many different versions of people out there. I could absolutely see that, but the, there's something, and you're like, how did that woman mm. write that book about brutality? Mm. And but given that she had had such a sheltered life. 
But she didn't have that sheltered life. She was out in the world. She was out teaching. She was experiencing people. Anne Bronte was actually probably the She's most... Yeah, the most worldly of... You know of... what I mean? Like, she, she, she did... And I think it tells, because I think that's a book that every time I read it, I find more in it. I... Like, love I love Tenant Jane Eyre, Waffle, I love but... the Tenant Waffle Hall. We've already, we've actually had another podcast where we talk about the Tenant Waffle Hall in Maldita. Jesus. Back in the mists of time. Christ. Is that it like 2011 yeah, or some, something? Yeah, some years ago. Um, I love books that you can reread and still enjoy. Mm. Um, I reread the Revelations, the Matthew Shardlake book recently. The, it was the. It's the third? Something. Fourth one? It, some, fourth, fourth one of it. Mm. Um, just because I randomly picked it up on the shelf and it fell off the shelf yeah and like they stand up to a reread because even though I know who the, he is I don't care I just enjoy finding Boudicca out books um, Dreaming the Hound and Dreaming the Sea Serpent mm. um, by Manda Scott um, really stand up to the test of time I got on with the first few of them but then I found them a bit repetitive it's only four they I tell one I person's the, I life I think I did the first two because I think no I, I found because it's one person's life but it's like the way that she describes stuff and the way that mm. things happen, like certain yeah. things happen, it was a little Maybe bit. So. The first two books I really enjoyed, though. Mm. I could not finish it, and then when I got the final book, I think I've probably said this before. I literally like read half of it and then didn't pick it up for six months because I knew it was going to end, and <laughs> I was so upset. <laughs> Anyhow, we've we've jumped away. Get back to Demaria. Yes, yes. So, um, yeah, Rebecca though is rereading it. I mean, I I've only. I'm literally just a third into it so mm. you know it could all but I really hate Max and when I read it the first time when I was a teenager I think he was the hero like so it just goes to show how much I've changed as a person but I think also how the world has changed mm. but even when I re- when I reread The Tenant of Wildfell Hall a few years ago mm. um, I feel like I, I was looking at it I saw far more abuse and violence mm. this time around and I think that's just because it, Partly it's with the Me Too movement and Time's Up and all the rest of it. You're so much more aware. But it's always been there. It's, like, oh, it's, it's always, always been, been there. Been but, the my text, pers- but you've just not seen it. I tell you, the best example of this, and I don't, there's, there are so few people alive who can dispute it, is when you watch Monica Lewinsky's TED Talks or read her mm. thing about the Me Too movement. Every single person today that is woke, to use the modern parlance, <laughs> the or socially aware... Me? I'm technically a millennial. I so am I. Bite me. Um, but yeah, we're not hipsters, though. That's know. where I draw the or line. You used to be a millennial. You're right. You should grab that crocheted blanket and wrap it around you a little bit more tightly while we continue to discuss books on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, Monica Lewinsky was a slut. Yeah, she was yeah. some little tartlet she who threw herself at the president. Husband, yeah. She'd made her a show of herself. Marilyn Monroe. She was she was seen as the absolute dregs of society. And you go back and you watch her her TED talk where she talks about shame and the persistent issue and rebuilding yourself after becoming a national scandal like that. And your whole perspective on that time frame changes. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean, abuse has always been abuse, and violence has always been violent. But the microcosms, you know, the little it, recognitions, I, I think, think we're much more it aware. It shows just how forward-thinking these 
writers were because Anne Bronte was writing at a time where that was completely acceptable. Daphne mm-hmm. Murray was writing at a time where it was more or less completely acceptable. Um, and I just think that to be able to have the subtlety as a writer to talk but, about something like that and for women to not see that unless they also get that. I think she's speaking through the ages almost. I mean, I, I, I think that there's um, a clarity of sight. I think that it's somebody who's saying... I mean, like we say, I don't think it was socially acceptable. I think it would have been less socially acceptable for a wife to leave her husband mm-hmm. because of violence. But I don't think that it was ever socially acceptable. I think that authors like this were drawing back the curtain and going, we call this gothic because mm. it's dark and shitty. But if you see this happening, protect the women in your life. Like yeah, I think, I think they were, yeah. they were, they were very visionary in their view, and they wrote it via literature to like hide it almost. Daphne du Maurier was a but fascinating person. W- what anyway. author has lived in a time frame where it isn't? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm, I, I'm. Yeah. We're not there yet. No, you very know. true. Very sadly true. I would recommend you make her into any 17-year-old girls in, or boys or anybody, but I would also recommend if you are older than a teenager, wait until you've got an atmospheric night to read this. Well, this is what I was going to say where I'm like, actually read Because we haven't actually talked about the plot at all, so we, it's no spoilers no. at all, so I would recommend this. But book. there's an order to read De Maurier in. Now, for me, it would be my cousin Rachel, Jamaica in, and then Rebecca. Um, I don't know because I really appreciated my cousin Rachel and I got a lot from it that I wouldn't have got if I was a teenager when I mm. read it. So I would say that you should read Rebecca when at any point because it's a beautiful book, but you'll get a lot different from it. I re- I last read Rebecca probably when I was in my mid twenties, and now I'm in my mid thirties ish. I am getting a lot from it that I didn't get ten years ago, yeah. and I think that just st- it shows the level and complexity and subtlety of the book. I think it just mm. shows the depth and breadth of her writing she's a beautiful writer mm. and I, I would recommend Jamaica in as a book I think it was it was it was a romp but like it was a romp yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean well it's, it's interesting I think this segues nicely into the his dark material mm-hmm. books because a it's few years said, ago yes. and I know I, again I know I've, I'm repeating myself here um I do um it's age deal with it um <laughs> <laughs> but for one of our book clubs we reread the life of pi mm. and what had been this enchanting magical realism sort of fairy tale thing i found really hackneyed the second time round so when you told me to read um the book of dust i was like yay i get to read his dark materials and then i thought oh what if i don't like them what if i don't like them mm-hmm. um but i i i mean Within a couple of pages, I was right back yeah, in Myra's Oxford. Um, I think the Northern Lights is probably my favourite because I love Lyra and I love that we got such a detailed exploration of her world. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, a, it's rare for sequels. And, and in fact, more recently, the only thing that I've read that was as where the sequels maintained the momentum and, ha- and were as valuable were um, the Broken Earth trilogy by N.K. Jem- Jemison, I think is her name. Um, and that's, we read that for White Swan, absolutely phenomenal. And each book mm. you know, kept it. And, and sometimes you get the dodgy middle book, this avoided that, and, and The Subtle Knife is a really the strong... The Subtle Knife, I, to be honest, is probably my favourite of the trilogy. Well, I think Will... I think Will, I Will becomes such a favourite character yeah, for me. I love him. It instantly, he just was like, I love However, him. He's such a good I will character. say, again, new, mm. new context, new eyes watching it. I found him a bit domineering in the third book. 
Uh, sorry, in, in, towards the end of um, The Stolen Knife, he's telling Lyra, you're a liar, so you have to do what I say. And I was a bit like, oh, pipe down. She's kept you alive so far. But in the third book, Lyra regains her confidence that she had lost in the second book, and they become much more balanced. And I think from start to finish, it's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. I hate the way it ends. It could end no other way. It well, was these beautiful. new books that we might find out, because this one that we just both read this last month is the prequel to all of them. Yeah. And it starts off with Lyra as a baby. Baby. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think like a lot of people, when I heard he was revisiting um, Lyra's Oxford, I was a bit like, no, don't. It's perfect. You'll yeah. only screw it up. No offence, but leave yeah. it alone. Um, and then when I found out that he wasn't writing about Lyra, I was like... Ah, now, if you're going to revisit the world, you need to revisit it exactly the way I want yeah. you to revisit yeah. it. Um, so I think making it a prequel series was brilliant. One of the things I was so struck by is structurally and the writing style, completely different. Completely different. I, liked, I, 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 I loved it. I didn't like it at the start, though. I was reading it going, what the hell, Plipple? What the hell? But then Whoa. I was like, no, this is an adventure story. But I actually this thought good. it made sense, though, because Lyra grew up an orphan, practically, mm. running around these giant halls, really sheltered from the world. She got to meet some kids outside mm. the, the gates every now and again. But fundamentally, she hung out with the scholars, with the servants, and Roger. And that was, that was her life. Whereas from the outset... I want to say Malcolm. Matthew. No, you are right. I think the first time. The main character in the Book of Dust is called... The Belsabarge. Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm, it is Malcolm. Malcolm Polstead. I just never get them right the first time, (laughs) you know. Um, Malcolm is older. Mm. He lives in a much... There's a lot more world. There's an awful lot more going on. He's a lot more aware. So I thought instead of in... He's more of a normal kid. Yeah, in in Northern Lights, you kind of have the world introduced to you. In this... Philip Pullman takes for granted, you know what the world looks like, and he jumps in. Yeah. Some of the, the, the stuff that Malcolm encounters, oh God, the hyena demon chewing on its terrifying. own leg. I absolutely thought that was absolutely grotesque. Terrifying. Absolutely. The idea of the hyena demon, and that's how they portray somebody who is an absolute psychopath. psychopath. I thought that was brilliant. I thought the oh, way that, that away and Malcolm... Everything knew about it. Yeah, like Malcolm hadn't twigged. And nobody would have put into words going, that's a wrong one. But the mere fact that he had a hyena... And now, I love hyenas in the wild. Mm. I think they are much maligned. But when, the, when in the context of this, I thought the fact that the crazy part of that partnership isn't the demon or the daemon or however yeah. you want to say yeah. it. I found that so interesting. I found, um, again, in a real-world environment, there was an awful lot more interactions with one another's yeah. demons, like kicking and fighting and punching. Well, there, which there would be. Because Whereas Lyra is like... demon is your, is your Yeah, Lyra is like, soul, so. never really hung out with anybody yeah. who is in her own, and she's in a religious environment. So, And I thought the contrast between the convent, which was a lot quiet calm mm. it felt like Lyra's Oxford again and then Malcolm would go across to the inn where there's hustle and bustle and people coming and going and I thought it was incredibly well done mm-hmm. I kept looking for characters that would be in common but there are remarkably few but I liked that there are I think it was important that there weren't there was one line in it where they said uh she his Damon um whose name I can't remember now doesn't Malcolm's um, demon turns into a cat with like a th- Asta. 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 Yeah, um, like with or, no, no. Oh no, it's it's Father. Oh God, it's the Egyptian guy. Yes. His Father cat Florence. walks in, and there's a line in it about how Lyra, as a little child, was enchanted by it, as she would be again in ten years' time, and as she would be ten years from then. And I thought, 
does that mean yeah. we're definitely we're going definitely to going. apparently so apparently the next one in the series is going to be five years but I reckon they're going to bring Malcolm back because in yeah. 20 years time he's going to be in his 40s no no he's only 10 years older than Lyra mm. Mm. you know so I reckon he's going to be in the next one the, one of the other things that I really liked was some of the um, the smaller shot relationships the nun Fenella yes. um, and Malcolm. I thought what they had was lovely. I thought the the Malcolm in general, I just thought was such a lovely character because he was a normal boy who was also exceptional. I will tell you what seemed a little overwrought to me. The whole bit set in the school where the kids are taught to spy on one another. Oh, I like that. And it did come back round in the end, but I felt like there was an awful lot of time to establish something. But then I suppose it showed the shift because the world that Lyra lives in is far more oppressive than the world that Malcolm so is living in. So I have things to in. say about that. Jump I think that is Philip Pullman's little dig at the step modern state society and the way that our, ch- our children are monitored every time and, and the way that children are encouraged to tell. On each Public other. shaming as yes. well. Um, I also think um, that that is also reminiscent of very, very, and this is going to sound strange, very classic 90s children's stories if in Britain. The Demon Headmaster, mm. that sort of thing. Mm. I thought that bit also almost harked back to when this when Northern Lights was first published and the thing that made it different from everything, it didn't have that. Yeah. But with this one, I... I reckon I I almost recognised that trope and enjoyed it. See, I wasn't sure if it was a clever literary illusion, mm. I think which is what you're referring to, or if this is the beginning and by the time Lyra's twelve, everybody is snitching, everybody is tattling tales and the, the but because not, the fear though. has but that's not that's not in but it's, Lyra's when she's twelve, that's not really present. No, so that's why I'm, that was why I was like, is it? But then I was like, but that's it's not. So it must have fizzled out, which is a good thing in a way, because almost he's saying that this can fizzle out and this is only temporary. Yeah, I like your way of looking. Yeah, at it. there you go. Yeah, uh, I, I also, what did you think? And this is again spoilers. What did you think about the flood, and that 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 part of it and the journey, the second half of the book? Okay, so one of the things that I did find a little bit hmm is the fact that. And again, it makes a certain amount of sense because of the genders and the age group and, and that kind of thing. But like, dust is better understood then by particle physicists and all the rest of it mm. than it appears to be in 10 years time. But again, it's almost as if it's been hidden. And what is it that's hidden it? Well, I'm presuming that Lord Astor is off making his yeah. castle in the sky with Ed Sheeran. Um, Why would he? Well, Ed had a castle on a hill. Oh, I'm not going to ask. <laughs> in my head that was hilarious just if you were wondering humor wise i have none um so yeah i was i was a little bit i like i mean structurally the things that i liked there were echoes mm. there's there's another scholar who gets attached to a wayward yeah, child yeah. i liked that and um, the flood itself i was kind of i was like is it just one of those natural things and the egyptians could tell and then i thought no of course not it's will's dad because he'd still be an active shaman. He'd have just come through. He'd be starting to... Oh, gosh, I completely missed that. So I was like, if not him, but another shaman. Like, we have a capacity for this. What? So you're thinking the flood was actually started by... The Egyptians. What? That's mad. They had to save Lyra, because she was known to both the Egyptian and the witch kind. No, that's mad. 
that's, that's we know jump. that Will's father that's controls. Will's father controlled the weather oh, when Lee Sorensen oh was in his was in his balloon. Do you remember? And he was like, "Is that you, or is that something else?" And he's like, well, "I took out some zeppelins." That's, that's what why, I'm thinking. Is that why all, why all the supernatural elements, like the gods that just randomly turn up, and the woman well, with the okay. So like, again, that was something that I was like, I was like, when the fairy appears, yeah. Um, I was like. And now, come on. And then I remembered that Will and Lyra literally visited the land of the dead. And mm. I thought, there is actually a capacity yeah. for this to be... We have witches that can fly using sprigs um, of, of wood. You yeah. know, we've got people who have their souls literally attached to them. Armoured bears who have posable thumbs and can do whatever they like. This is a magical universe. It's a so magical world. And there could so easily be fairies. I think the one... I, I think I was waiting for the little, the little spy people to show up. Um, mm. And I was glad that they didn't. I was, I, I, I was glad that it was different enough that I could appreciate the differences. But I think if it had included one more different thing, I'd have blown. And if it was similar enough that I appreciated the similarities, but if there'd been one more. So I was really glad that there's basically like four crossover characters and that's it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I love the boat. I feel mm. like Will's relationship with this, It made me want to go in a boat. Well, I felt, I felt very like... Um, I whatever your argument about real or digital books, I feel that way about my Kindle. Yeah. I I'm attached to particular things. I feel that way about my Teddy. There are yeah. there are things for practical or emotional reasons that you just have such a strong bond with. I thought the fact because I don't want to like either one of Lyra's parents mm. because I didn't like either one of Lyra's parents throughout mm-hmm. what the story that actually happened. But damn, if it wasn't decent of him to get them to do up the boat like that, yeah. that was a really like I thought. That was an, a, a mark of appreciation that he knew Malcolm would appreciate. And whatever about the man he became at that point... He was a decent person. He, want, you know, he, he wanted to say thank you. So I thought that bit was really good. But what about Alice? Um, I have mixed feelings towards Alice. I didn't think her demon still changed until it changed. Well, she's on the cusp, she's 15. She? She's 15. But when it was a dog, I was like, well, servant. Because that's the convention. Yeah. Um, and then when it when, when the two demons started playing and she like kind of turns around really disgruntled like he never plays like this, mm. I was like, because you're never happy. Mm. And then I started to like her quite a lot. I have to admit, I, I love that she's a survivor. I just thought that she went through so much. Um, I liked her and the baby. I thought that was really sweet. I loved I her. Oh yeah, you're gonna be changing the nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's true. It's true. Um, but also, Will was probably a 12, year old, 12, 13 year old boy. Malcolm. Malcolm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Malcolm. Like, I think Malcolm is a year younger than her. Like 13. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but I loved the baby. I loved how the baby was portrayed. They went through a lot of peril with the baby, which I can imagine being a little bit like, eh, don't, don't I put the baby don't in that know much that I would ever hire either of them as babysitters don't put the baby in that but peril when I think but the baby of, was also fine, where, so. no but I also think of like where look at the peril the baby had come from yeah that's true that you is know, true Lyra wasn't having a fun time um, I thought that the writing was just as good but very different and totally different style yeah I, um, and I also thought that the plot didn't go at the same pace throughout the whole thing no this was a romp this was more like a Tom Sawyer yes Tom Sawyer starts off slow and then it speeds up. And the sec- very good comparison, actually. Yes. Because it does. And there is the flood as well. So, mm. yeah. Make, mm, oh, we are flooding tonight, aren't you? Um, 
No, I did enjoy it. I feel in the love. Just. I, I, I am intrigued to read the second one. Obviously, yeah, I'm really. I mean, um, obviously, but this was yeah. this was a good. It was a good step back into the world, and I think yeah. that was a good move on. If they'd gone straight back in, it would have been a little bit like this. Whereas, is, you know, in Spartacus, yeah, where they had the um, flashback flashback series. series um, because obviously Spartacus, mm. the main character, had sadly passed away. And, well, he hadn't at that point. But yeah, but he, yeah, he was ill, and then he, he and then he sadly passed away. Mm. Um, but it's almost as if that series like let us go back into the world yeah. with grace, and I think yeah. the same applies to this one. I think if it had gone straight back into Lyra, I'd been a little bit like. I I know I have this, to admit, and good. maybe this is an unpopular viewpoint, but within the Harry Potter fandom, I think that it was far wiser to tell Newt. Newt's story in a series of whatever it's called Jesus mysterious beasts and where fantastic to find beasts. fantastic beasts, beasts and where to find them do you know when you just lose Not track of it read any of them I have to well, read all the Harry Potters before May oh cool that's just going to be awesome yay I'll read them along with you I yay we can talk about them in the next podcast yay um, but no I think I think it was really wise to go back and look at a totally different time frame and have somebody else be at Hogwarts and sure still have mm. Dumbledore but he's just a history teacher and nobody pays him any attention you know because I think that you, the Harry Potter bit it's done it's yeah. told now um, and Nanny McPhee I caught Nanny McPhee on telly the other day I really hope they do one set 15 years in the future where she like literally can fly <laughs> okay I lost my yeah would you um like to have seen this book read this book if Lyra wasn't in it but obviously that, w- that wouldn't make sense if Lyra wasn't in it but uh, no but think? I would have followed Malcolm I would have followed Malcolm's story anyway yeah um, like but way before we realised the baby was Lyra or whatever mm. I liked Malcolm yeah. I liked who he was and the way he represented himself in the world I liked his relation you know it's so rare as well in children's fiction that you get a kid who has nice parents that yeah. he gets on well with um, yeah. And I I felt the benefit. And has of friends, that. He, but he's yeah. a normal person. But he's just, as I said, he's a normal boy who also happens to be exceptional. Yeah, I do wonder if that if there was a bit of a point being made there because British fiction in particular, it doesn't go to some strange lengths to ensure <laughs> that its main characters are orphaned yeah. or abandoned Can't or have betrayed. Parents. Can't have a family. Rhinoceros that escaped from a zoo. I'm talking to you, James and the Giant Peach. Think of one Disney film where the parents aren't either eventually older That was Roald Dahl. Or, like, there's, yeah, this is a yeah, British... Enid Blyton. Enid Blyton started that thing where parents had children and then never saw them for six years until they turned 18. It's fairy tales, Hansel and Gretel. Cinderella. I don't think you get. I mean, I think realistically, we all know that we don't get to be the hero if there are adults around. So this you remove true. the adults, <laughs> and the kids have to do it. But you do if you're, um, in, the world of Northern Lights, which is lovely. Anyway, I think we have talked enough. Okay. Yeah, that I feel like this is a. I'm I'm now in a very happy like, <sighs> sort of place. Yeah. So I think Excellent. we should stop. So what are we reading next month, Eve? I have. Books lined up. A Man Called Ove is one of our books coming up in the next few months. And I'm going to try and read that sooner rather than later because they're starting to pile up just a touch. And that is literally the only one of the four that I can remember. You know, I looked at these right before the, the podcast. But do you have books, books lined up? Do you have homework for me? Um, do I have homework for you? Well, I could read Joe Nesbo. Oh, did I lend you that? No, not yet. I'll bring it over next yes. time I see you. Um, yes, read your Joe Nesbo. Yes. Um, oh, no, because that was it. Because I wanted to say, after you've read the 
quite enjoyable Joe Nesbo book not to influence it. Yes. Would you like to watch the far more disappointing film with Michael <laughs> Fassbender? No. Because I bought it and now I'm like, somebody needs to watch it with me. No, I'm all right. Thank you. I will read the... Uh, I already have read several Joe Nesbo books. This is The Snowman we're talking about. Mm. Um, I've already read uh, several Joe Nesbo books and enjoyed them. So we Can I just about, say... We'll have a big Scandinoir yeah. theme next week. And I'm, I'm just going to say this. We do not objectify people here. So even though Joe Nesbo is a painfully attractive man, we won't be commenting on that because we're better than that. <laughs> I've never seen a picture of Joe Nesbo. Is oh, check out the back of the I, books, man. I, I will. Yeah. Right, <clears> lovely. Okay. Not to objectify. So next month, Scandi Noir themed. Next month is Scandi Noir and whatever the heck I've been reading. Excellent. All right, take okay. care. Bye.